Attention, please. You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, even as Senator Grassley criticizes our Food and Drug Administration for not making details of the Drug Safety Oversights Board meeting on Avandia Public, the FDA has voted nearly 8 to 7 to keep Avandia on the market. We hope to have joined us a senior scientist from the Organic Center with the news out of a four-year European Union-funded study, thanks to Newcastle University research scientists in England, that organic produce and organic milk significantly more nutritious than conventional foods. What do you and I need to know? about going organic. What does it truly mean? Does it really make a difference in our health? We'll talk with the senior scientist from the Organic Center about going organic and its nutritional benefits right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it's scheduled to appear in the upcoming November December issue of the American Cancer, I'm sorry, American Chemical Society's bi-monthly Journal of Chemical Information and Modeling. Apparently, three research scientists have been taking a look at traditional Chinese medicine, and these British scientists believe that they have decoded the inscrutable language of traditional Chinese medicine, indicating that it actually, if taken into the laboratory, has a strong chemical foundation in the way that might help Western-trained and Western-mindset scientists mine the age-old Chinese medicine to develop tomorrow's new drugs. Now, of course, you and I know (laughs) that there is perhaps a downside to that because the Western model is to take a look at a healing agent, identify its active ingredient, synthesize it, patent it, hopefully develop it through mass marketing into a blockbuster drug, not to realize that nature works in balance that every food has some pro-oxidants as well as some antioxidant compounds in a balance that is essential for, for nature, not so the prescription drugs. And in fact, we find many of the prescription drugs, the risk outweigh the benefit or the nutritional depletion because they are presented to the body as an active ingredient. Well, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the author of the uh, Biology of Belief, says it best. There are no drug side effects. They are effects. And because the body has this wondrous redundancy of chemical mechanisms, that one drug that, for example, is meant to tame depression can actually raise the risk of gastrointestinal bleeding by 240%. 
course, I'm talking about the SSRI drugs, which also have uh, the side effects that include uh, loss of sexual desire, among other side effects. So why these three British scientists point out that traditional Chinese medicine has, you know, 8,411 compounds that they've identified from simply 240 Chinese herbs, when you and I know that there are thousands of Chinese herbs, they believe that they can organize into an herbal map their results that are amenable to the translation of Western uh, terminology. For example, traditional Chinese medicine's fire poison group is very comparable to today's family of anti-inflammatory medicines. Of course, what they forget is that Chinese medicine is not anti-anything. It modulates inflammation. It modulates the immune response, the digestive response, the body's hormonal balance, which is essential for health. So it'll be interesting to watch um, this westernization of traditional Chinese medicine all to be published in the upcoming issue of the American Chemical Society's Journal of Chemical Information and Modeling. What's the world's largest and most advanced study into breast cancer and acupuncture that has been launched with 60% of British breast cancer patients using complementary therapies. Now the University of Manchester has recruited women who have uh, used chemotherapy in the past five years to address their breast cancer and who have high levels of fatigue. We know that acupuncture is a very potent tool in post-surgery nausea and pain approved by our National Institute of Health as if it had to be as a potent pain reliever and now a British cancer charity launching the world's largest and most advanced study into breast cancer and acupuncture as a possible aid to the terribly uh, life-quality-affecting fatigue following breast cancer chemotherapy. Well, if this doesn't say it to you, nothing will. The average weight of children aged 6 to 11 in 1963 was 65 pounds. In 2002, 74 pounds. The average weight of uh, boys in 1966, age 12 to 17, 125. It's now 141. The average age, average weight of girls, uh, 12 to 17, in 1966, 118 pounds. Now 130. That our children are way more than ever before. And with a new report indicating that children who have vigorous physical activity, 20 to 40 minutes a day, are much more able to learn mathematics, do class products, better able to organize the schoolwork, comes the revelation that physical activity is not just about strong bodies. And somehow our educators um, have lost that message that exercise builds strong brains. And it doesn't stop when we graduate from school. We now recognize that throughout our lifetime, exercise translates into keeping our mental skills strong. And mental exercise 
is as important as well. University of Georgia study indicating that exercise can build strong brains for growing children as well as for those of us who have been many years out of school. Speaking of exercise, a surprise result according to a presentation at the American Society for Therapeutic Radiology and Oncology's annual meeting. What Brigham and Women's Hospital, Harvard Teaching Hospital research scientists have reported at WebMD Medscape is that the loss of bones for men who were undergoing hormone-suppressing therapy and radiation for breast cancer can be reversed by walking-type exercise, knowing that hormone-suppressing therapy and radiation can also dramatically increase the risk of heart disease for men undergoing these therapies for prostate cancer. You have to wonder if uh, perhaps some exercise therapy might benefit their heart as well. A recent presentation, Brigham and Women's Hospital, the American Society for Therapeutic Radiology and Oncology, surprising the researchers that exercise prevented the bone loss from prostate cancer therapies, those therapies being androgen deprivation or hormone suppression and radiation therapy, which seems to indicate to me that exercise should be part of every cancer patients regime well sobering statistics sobering that more patients are being treated with prescription drugs for high cholesterol and blood pressure at a younger age what we are finding is the number of 20 to 44 year olds taking cholesterol lowering medication dropped 68 percent in a recent five-year period. Those taking high blood pressure medicine rose 21% in a recent five-year period. And the amount spent by insurers to pay for for blood pressure drugs rose 34%. Over this recent five-year period, cholesterol medication spending rose 115% over a recent five-year period. Yet the science indicates that For women, for people of the age of 60, for men of low risk, there is no science, and certainly no science for young people, to take these medications. Kind of makes you ask the question, show me the science. Where is it? Show me the science. We'll return uh, more health care news. We'll also be talking about the organic news on Healthy Talk Radio. Consolidate your health care information and get everything you need from one source. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Dr. Charles uh, Benbrook, who is a chief scientist of the Organic Center, will be joining us uh, today at the bottom of the hour to talk about the nutritional benefits of uh, going organic. Before we get to that, we'd be remiss not to mention something of which we have spoken on the air literally since this show's inception back in 1982 because the show's then current uh, uh, health care health resident uh, medical resident can't uh, unwrap my tongue on that one uh, uh, medical uh, resident expert uh, Dr. Corot was always intrigued by the fact that medicine demonized hot sauce it was a matter of hot peppers 
or capsaicin from hot peppers, ooh, that's hot, that burns, must be bad for you. When he uh, delved into the medical literature, Dr. Erwin Zyman's research from UCLA School of Medicine, that the regular use of hot, spicy foods reduce the incidence of chronic tracheal bronchitis, asthma, respiratory disorders. There was good traditional science to indicate that hot, spicy foods could actually cure gastric ulcers, um, that they were a source of naturally occurring plant chemicals that modulated inflammation and helped to prevent platelet aggregation. In fact, the cultures who consume hot, spicy foods have far lower rates of stroke and Alzheimer's than cultures who do not consume these spicy foods. Now research coming out of uh, Denmark indicating that we are now trying to harness that science. There's a company out of California, Anaceva, A-N-E-S-I-V-A, who is doing operating room experiments. In fact, Harvard University is mixing capsaicin with other anesthetics, hoping to develop epidural injections that wouldn't confine women to bed during childbirth or dental injections that don't don't, uh, numb our entire mouth. In fact, there's been some intriguing research indicating that capsaicin uh, patches are wonderful agents to numb areas in pain or intractable itching. And Anaceva has actually purified capsaicin. Code word for they've patented it. It's called Adlia. A-D-L-E-A. Adlia. And they actually either drip the purified capsaicin or a dummy solution into uh, uh, surgical incisions, wait five minutes for it to soak up, then stitch up the wound. And what they have found, for example, in men undergoing open hernia repair, that those who received capsaicin reported significantly less pain in the first three days after surgery. So perhaps the chronic pain patients of the future, the surgical patients of the future, will receive either an IV drip or a patch of capsaicin. It's what makes peppers hot to provide pain relief. What's a new study out of the University of Buffalo linking severely restricting calories to slowing the progression of physical disability in age. It's all published in the Journal of Gerontology. And, of course, we now know that there are naturally occurring agents like resveratrol that is found in plants like knotweed, um, rich sources, uh, certain red wines that actually mimic the effect of calorie restriction. So if a lifetime of restricting your calories... In fact, uh, they're taking a look at a 40% calorie restriction from birth in laboratory animals was sufficient to extend one's life. Perhaps we can take a look at some of those naturally occurring chemicals and actually mimic calorie restriction, leading to a longer life. 
According to the front page of today's USA Today, it's a crackdown by the Environmental Protection Agency on our nation's power plants. Apparently, they are our nation's biggest emitter of mercury. Dentists uh, pouring mercury down the drains is also another significant source of mercury. And with the revelation that all too often we eat fish that are laden with mercury that put us uh, at risk of um, immunosuppressing effects, neurotoxins effect, they say it's time to get serious about cutting mercury in the environment. And, of course, uh, we talked yesterday about the Bank of America securities uh, uh, letter, their report to the nation's uh, number two manufacturer of mercury fillings, telling them to realign their organization to only promote composite fillings, perhaps just like the American Medical Association. Here's a case where they were a real leader, saying it's time to eliminate mercury from medicine. With the tainting of fish and waterways rising, the EPA crackdown on emissions from power plants is now being debated with uh, the revelation that we have as many as 600,000 babies born in the year, born every year here in the U.S., with irreversible brain damage because their mothers-to-be ate mercury-contaminated fish. And, of course, if you take a look at the Mercury Project, we've had uh, some of their representatives join us on the air. They took tuna off the shelves of our grocery stores. We can do it today, and found unacceptably high levels of mercury in food that is on our shelves as we speak. Well, it's one of those events that's joyful for everybody, expecting a new baby. But now, according to federal research, statisticians at the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, it's an opportunity to open your pocketbook wide that the cost of living has taken on a whole new meaning with new research revealing that the price of having a baby from the first prenatal exam up until delivery, everything in between, averages, averages, and we're talking about an uncomplicated birth, now a whopping $7,600. It was only a couple of years ago that it was a fraction of that. We used to talk about an uncomplicated birth, start to finish, in the neighborhood of two to three thousand dollars. So amazing because, of course, we are seeing a lot more people pay out of pocket for health care costs in this country. And with the average expenses for hospital delivery, two thousand dollars more for women who are privately insured versus women who are on Medicaid kind of makes you wonder, you know, what's the markup here? That hospital delivery accounts for three-quarters of the total expense of pregnancy, and if they're charging Medicaid patients $2,000 less than privately insured patients, perhaps it goes back to uh, a topic of which we have discussed on a regular basis, cost shifting in health care. Because we fail to take into account that we all need to have that safety net, that major medical coverage 
that we cost shift in this country. And I think all of us will uh, forever remember uh, that um, 60 Minutes report where the needle was over $100 when it, it literally cost pennies. So if you're giving birth, better check that price tag, according to the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. We're going to return to talk uh, with a senior scientist from the Organic Center. The preliminary research findings showing the nutritional benefits of going organic are significant. So what does it mean to go organic? Why are these organic crops so much more nutritious? We have a special guest joining us today, Dr. Charles Benbrook, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. It's an important topic to each and every one of us, the food we eat. We talk on a regular basis about that unfolding science behind the power of our plate, But is the food that we eat uh, as nutritious as it could possibly be? We certainly take a look at agriculture having gone undergone many changes related to uh, technology and to chemistry uh, in the past decades. And our special guest who joins us today has rich expertise, uh, having written many reports, books, and peer review articles on agricultural science, technology, public health, and environmental issues. He has worked inside the Beltway uh, on behalf of many of us. In fact, was the executive director of the subcommittee of the House Committee on Agriculture with jurisdiction over pesticide regulation, research, trade, and foreign agricultural issues. We are delighted and honored to have the chief scientists of a group whose mission it is to generate credible peer-review scientific information and communicate the verifiable benefits of organic farming, the Organic Center. We have Dr. Charles Benbrook joining us today. Dr. Benbrook, hello and welcome. Well, thank you, Deborah. Nice to have you join us. And if you give us a, a, sort of a, a thumbnail starting point here, Dr. Ben Brook, because there have been an unfolding number of research studies taking a look at the chemical composition of food. And if we take a look at agriculture, for example, back in the 40s and 50s versus today, contrast for us. Tell us what that science is now telling us, so specifically referring to nutritional levels, Dr. Ben Brook. Um. Well, several studies have been published now that have uh, very carefully um, compared the uh, concentration of nutrients, or, or also called nutrient density, um, of vitamins, minerals, and, and uh, uh, more recently antioxidants in our basic fruits and vegetables, grains, and animal products uh, between, say, the 50s and, and today. And there have, in fact, been... Uh, statistically significant reductions in a number of essential nutrients uh, uh, that uh, our our bodies need to take in through diet every day. Um, and despite the fact that uh, the average American eats a few more calories than they should, um, and and that we're we're 
constantly dealing as a as a society with the the the, the tendency to get heavier than we should. Um, most Americans do not uh, consume adequate levels of all the essential uh, vitamins and, and minerals uh, uh, and antioxidants on a, on a daily basis, which led the Department of Agriculture a couple of de- uh, years ago to to put out a provocative uh, report that said that Americans were overfed and undernourished. And that revelation in medicine, uh, Dr. Benbrook, that we have now identified, uh, particularly among the rising number of patients who seek out uh, bariatric uh, gastric bypass surgery, that we have frank malnutrition when people appear to be overfed uh, you know, we go to Centers for Disease Control's uh, website and look at these national health and nutrition exam surveys and find some striking nutritional deficiencies among us. Your insight plays. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, unfortunately, um, too many Americans have uh, replaced uh, uh, nutrient-dense uh, uh, whole fruits and vegetables and, and whole grains with a uh, highly processed uh, food that uh, uh, in the manufacturing process uh, has stripped from it uh, uh, a significant um, uh, share of the, the nutrients that the, the food originally had. And plus, uh, a processed food has uh, high levels of added uh, uh, fats, uh, salt, and sugar, uh, all of which uh, are contributing to the uh, really serious um, nutritional and dietary imbalances that we have uh, in, in America today. Uh, it it um, part of the part of the problem are is the food choices that people are making, uh, and another part of the problem is the kind of products and the degree of processing that the food industry uh, is now uh, using in getting most of our uh, uh, daily food to us. Well, I marveled recently, um, in the last six months, the, the Wall Street Journal had an intriguing article about the European organic wine industry and, and the comment that they didn't have to go organic, they've always been organic. With your expertise, uh, Dr. Ben Brook, in foreign agricultural issues, contrast for us, you know, what has become the norm in agriculture in this country uh, versus perhaps, you know, what we see in, in other major industrialized uh, countries around the world. That's a that's a big and complex question. First, just just a comment about uh, wine. Um, certainly, some of the European vintners, uh, you know, pioneered organic grape production methods, and um, Europe has has had uh, a reasonably healthy, although very small, organic wine business for some time. But I'll tell you, the U.S. organic wine uh, industry is coming on strong. Uh, there, there is a substantial share of the uh, wine grape acreage in California that is farmed organically. Uh, actually, there's uh, significant acreage where the grapes are grown organically, and the wine is uh, marketed as as commercial because there there simply isn't yet the the demand for uh, organic wine. So, um, I, I'm uh, I'm really pleased to. To see the the rapid progress being made in the in the grape industry in the West in adopting organic practices, and, and they're doing that, uh, Deborah, for one major reason, and and that is that um, organic production produces finer wines, uh, wines that have uh, uh, 
deeper, richer flavors that, uh, you know, are, can, can be sold for, for a higher price. So, uh, winemaking is all about quality and, and quality often boils down to, uh, nutrient dense, uh, raw commodities. So, uh, that's, that's good news for, for those of us that, um, like a glass of wine from time to time. Now, to your question about, uh, the rate and, and nature of the organic uh, growth in the organic industry in other countries. Uh, Europe is 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 definitely ahead of the U.S. in in um, in terms of organic food as a percentage of total food sales. I think the the leading European country I think is Austria, and I think they're they're pushing 10 percent now, uh, which is approximately three times the uh, market share. Uh, of organic in the United States. Here in this country, uh, organic food sales are, are three, somewhere between three and three and a half percent of, uh, of total food sales. So there is a much, uh, longer and deeper commitment to organic production and organic food, uh, throughout most of Europe and, uh, uh, they've done far more research than than we have and, and, and spent more public money to uh, support their farmers in, in going through the transition. And uh, I, see, uh, uh, I see no, no likelihood that uh, that's going to change uh, anytime soon in this country, uh, especially given the uh, lack of uh, foresight and, you know, by the Congress in, um, in writing the uh, four-year farm bill that's uh, just coming to, a, to an end uh, in, in Washington now. So a perfect segue, uh, Dr. Benbrook, with much of the, the medical research literature focusing recently on the buzz of behind uh, certain uh, nutrients in grapes and red wine uh, offering great medicinal benefit, to talk about the nutritional uh, benefits of going organic. What is the science telling us, Dr. Benbrook? Well, I mean, the, the science is, is it's actually fairly clear on some points. Um, let me tick off a few of the major ones. Uh, on average, uh, organically produced fruits and vegetables have about 30% higher levels of uh, health-promoting antioxidants. These are very uh, highly active uh, natural substances that help combat what's called reactive oxygen species within our bodies, within our blood. Um, we, we create, these are, people may have heard of them through, uh, by the word free radicals. These free radicals that, that are normally produced by the respiration of our cells throughout our body have to be uh, neutralized or they, they damage uh, cells, they can uh, actually damage DNA and accelerate aging, they promote inflammation, they can promote cancer growth. Uh, but our body combats those by producing what's called uh, antioxidants. And some of the antioxidants that we need on a daily basis are body manufacturers, um, and but another share of them has to come from diet, from our food. And uh, it's very clear that uh, uh, the average American is probably getting something less than half of the antioxidants that they need on a daily basis, which, uh, Deborah, is actually one of the reasons that the USDA recommended uh, a couple of years ago uh, about a doubling in the number of servings of fruits and vegetables that the average American uh, eats on a daily basis. So we know that that um, 
the the average American is not getting enough antioxidants. We also know that the older we get, the more dependent we become on antioxidants in food. And the reason for that is that the um, the mechanisms in our body that produces our uh, endogenous or inside our body antioxidants, those kind of wear out as we get old. They become less efficient. So as we age, we become more dependent on food for, for our antioxidants, which is why it's it's actually, you know, at, at the beginning of life and at the end of life, that is when it is most important to, uh, you know, eat um, uh, two or three or four servings of fresh fruits and vegetables on a, on a daily basis. So um, we, we know those things. Um, we, we, also, uh, we also know that um, different uh, food processing methods and ways of cooking food uh, have uh, major impacts on the levels of antioxidants that are ingested uh, in, a, in a given meal. Um, and, and also that uh, a number of, uh, of factors in, in our health, the sort of the health of our gastrointestinal system, uh, whether uh, we've got any underlying health problems, the other foods that we eat, uh, the environment that we live in, all of those factors can impact the degree to which the antioxidants that we consume in a daily basis and the vitamins that we consume, whether they're taken up by our body and become, the, the term is bioavailable. So uh, there, there's all of these things going on um, in, in determining the, the degree to which um, a, a given person's diet is going to, you know, promote good health. Uh, and one other really important point, which I, I think is coming through clearer and clearer in the published science uh, now, and is that um, people uh, people who uh, live a less than fully healthy lifestyle, uh, perhaps get overweight, uh, uh, start to uh, start to have some problems with their blood sugars, or they have type two diabetes, or they're they're dealing with a cardiovascular disease or cancer. Once a, a body gets to that point, uh, simply switching diet and switching from conventional fruits and vegetables that, that have pesticides on them to organic fruits and vegetables that don't, that, that step alone is, is rarely enough to turn around that uh, underlying disease state and return someone to health. But for people that make good choices, um, and eat a balanced diet and don't overeat uh, and choose good, clean, high-quality food, this daily dose of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, uh, it looks to, looks to me, and it's what the science is saying, have the ability to keep you healthy. So there, there's a... a there, there's, the public needs to sort of differentiate between the, the power of good food and good food choices to to preserve and promote ongoing good health as opposed to thinking or hoping that uh, you know a mere change in diet is going to have sufficient therapeutic power to completely turn around an underlying disease state. Now, I'm not saying that for some people just changing their diet is all that's needed, but uh, I think that that the science is pretty clear now that that uh, good dietary choices and, and good food often is enough to keep a person healthy, uh, but it may not be enough to stop an ongoing disease. 
Which also begs the question, that Dr. Benbrook, you know, why it's it's too early to connect the dots. So, you know, uh, uh, we see a research scientist like Dr. Phil Landrigan at Mount Sinai School of Medicine uh, quite sobered by the one in six children uh, learning and behavioral disabled that he attributes to environmental toxins if the pesticides in conventional farming have a potential role here to play as well. Do we know that as yet? Oh, I, I think we do. Uh, obviously, you're, you're not going to uh, get many scientists that, that work for or with the pesticide industry to, to openly admit that, just, just as uh, even to this day there are people involved with the tobacco industry that, that won't admit that uh, uh, smoking um, causes lung cancer. Um, you know, I, I think that the... Um, uh, I worked with Dr. Landrigan, by the way, um, uh, when I was uh, the uh, executive director of the, oh, of right. the uh, Board Benbrook, on Agriculture and the Academy. We'll be back with more of Dr. Charles Benbrook. A vital part of your daily health regimen. Vitamins, supplements, and Deborah Ray. An honor to have Dr. Charles Benbrook join us today, the chief scientist at the Organic Center, the website Organic hyphen center.org, a, a, a center whose mission is to generate credible, peer-reviewed scientific information and communicate the verifiable benefits of organic farming and products to society. And we left with the question on the table to Dr. Benbrook that he had uh, begun to uh, to educate us about, and that is one of the other aspects of which to consider uh, of conventional farming, and that is pesticides effects not only on human health, but the environment and how those toxins may be affecting even the most vulnerable. We were talking about uh, Dr. Phil Landrigan's work and your previous association there, Dr. Benbrook. Yes, I had the, the, the pleasure of working with Phil for a number of years during the uh, uh, project that produced the uh, really a landmark report from the National Academy of Sciences entitled Pesticides in the Diets of Infants and Children. It was that uh, 1993 report that basically, uh, you know, formed a consensus in the scientific community that uh, pesticide regulatory uh, law on the books at that time was was broken uh, when you know when it comes to protecting uh, pregnant women, infants, and children from the risks of uh, pesticides. And uh, that report and Phil's good work uh, led to the passage in 1996 of the Food Quality Protection Act, uh, one of the landmark pieces of um, environmental uh, legislation uh, passed uh, you know during the Clinton years. And uh, unfortunately, the implementation of that that important uh, new law has. Uh, uh, really um, ground nearly to a halt, uh, uh, you know, during the the Bush administration, and I, I sure hope it's uh, you know it, it, it's one of the the uh, areas of uh, regulatory activity that that you know gets gets going again because the you know since the Academy report came out in 1996, the um, the scientific uh, literature and, and, and understanding about the ways that pesticides can disrupt, uh, in particular, the neurological development of children, is has uh, vastly strengthened. Uh, you know, I, I think that there there's now you know very clear evidence that uh, uh, pesticides exposures have led to a number of of developmental problems and birth defects and. There's recent evidence that pesticides may be contributing to this uh, uh, 
troubling increase in autism. Uh, strong linkages between pesticides and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's diseases and, and other neurological diseases, um, and uh, and uh, continuing episodes of uh, you know significant uh, fish and bird kills and and hazards faced by uh, the, the the farm workers that we depend on to harvest right. our fruits and vegetables. So well, yeah, pesticides gonna... are still a big problem in this country. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Please come back again. A real privilege. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Dr. Charles Benbrook joining us today, Talking Organic. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy. Mm-hmm.